0: Welcome to episode 8 of Minnesota Opera's podcast, The Score. On this week's episode, Happy Pride! It's Pride Month all over the world, and it's one of our favorite times of the year. So this week, we're taking a little time for a good old-fashioned kiki and a chat about what pride means to us here at the intersection of Black and queer. Next, we turn the show over to Lee, who recently moderated a panel all about another upcoming celebration, Juneteenth, and its impact on Black history. And then, of course, as always, we'll send you out into the weekend with a PB&J, a moment of pure black joy. You know what time it is. It's time to check the score. Let's do it to it. All right, scorekeepers, welcome to episode eight of The Score, Minnesota Opera's podcast, where we talk about opera, classical music, events of the day from a BIPOC perspective. I am your host, Rocky Jones, the EDI director here at Minnesota Opera, and I'm here with my other hosts, my co-host, the lovely and talented Paige Reynolds, Civic Engagement Manager at Minnesota Opera. How are you, Paige?
1: Hey, I am. I'm good today. Um, oh, that's good. Besides, you know, being sounds like a question mark. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I was. I was gonna say, you know, coming to you from the land of the Dakota, colonially, colonially, colonially known as uh, the Twin Cities. Also, apparently, according to the weather, uh, Satan's armpit. Um, (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) What is this?
1: Minnesota is trying to be Miami.
0: This is a mess.
1: (laughs) And it's just not working.
0: (laughs) This is a mess. I moved away from D.C. for weather like this. Like, this is, no. (laughs) This is not what I want. Um, But um, we, unfortunately, today are without our... Fearless leader, um, Mr. Lee Bynum, Vice Aww. President of Impact. But Miss we want to. Well, but we do have something special for all you Lee Bynum stands out there. And I know there are one Yay. or two of you out there. So we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but yeah, on this hot, hot day in June, so excited for June. I feel like, you know, for the first seven episodes of this podcast, we've been talking about. George Floyd and Derek Chauvin and all of this, you know, kind of, you know, bummer stuff. Um, But I'm so excited because it's June. We are getting into summer and it is time to celebrate for a number of reasons. We've got Juneteenth coming up on the 19th, -hmm. which is wonderful and exciting. Um, We've got uh, Pride happening all month so happy pride happy to,
1: pride yes to all of our
0: fellow lgbtqia plus family it's so exciting i love pride it's this this <laughs> one of my favorite times of the year love it <laughs> We just go outside put on your short shorts act a fool or you know whatever you feel like apparently kink is not allowed at pride anymore those short shorts on kink <laughs>
1: I have thoughts and feelings, but that's another podcast. I have
0: thoughts and feelings about that as well. We might get into that. (laughs) But so are you excited about Pride? It sounds like you're excited about Pride.
1: I am. I am. I mean, in what has just... (laughs) been (laughs) such a dumpster fire of a past year oh my god (laughs) this pride feels like like a bright spot you know like it does like i'm i am kind of lifting my head up from a kind of cynical or state or pessimistic state i've 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 been i've been feeling um like a, a skepticism, an natural skepticism but pride has me like you know what yes like all the rainbows all the all the reminders that pride started as a riot um, yes. all yes. of the absolutely. I mean especially just being able to like I'm gonna be colorful anyway like mm. <laughs> <laughs> but to have everything be that for pride month, great Love it. And just like, I don't know, finding so much um, camaraderie, you know, Mm. like as queer like people, there are so many spaces in which we're like, we have to shrink ourselves or, you know, even if we're even if we're accepted, we're told that, you know, we can't be too much. And um, pride feels like a lot of like us. can like encouraging each other to just lean into that too muchness. Like, yeah, like totally. Like, yes, you are too much for some people and they don't deserve. Like but you are too much and they are not enough, honey. Like and that is what it, and that's just what it is. Be your beautiful, queer, trans, asexual, intersex, whatever your identity is self. And I yeah. I, I love that it's hard to not feel like uplifted by that
0: yeah and it's just this wonderful reminder you know I think so much uh, there's so many you know debates you know that happen you know especially like in the run-up to you know marriage equality and you know debating the equality act and all of this stuff where it's like you know well are we are we trying to assimilate into sort of you know Heteronormativity, you know this idea of you know, like well we want to get married and da, da da da, and it's like, this is like that time of year where it's just like no we are different we're like so different and it's <laughs> so cool <laughs> <laughs> and it's so fun and we're just gonna put that on Front Street and it's gonna be like colorful and exciting and you're gonna love it. Deborah Cox is here. just sit back and enjoy so you know i'm i'm curious you know what is sort of do you have any plans for this pride or you know what's what's sort of your favorite part of of pride
1: you know what i don't have any plans this year maybe maybe
0: because because
2: right
0: there's I no sad. parade. I, we're not quite sure what the festival is going to look like in Loring Park this year. Right. Um, you know, so I'm just kind of... That, for me, is a big tradition. Is like, yeah. we always go down to the parade. We always walk around Loring Park. And then, you know... Get obscenely drunk and <laughs> do whatever. <laughs> the less said about that, Have the better. A good time. <laughs> Having a grand time. <laughs> Having a grand old time.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like hard to to kind of suss out some other kind of celebration. Like I feel like, of course, Pride Month needs to be observed. Yes. In some way, <laughs> um, other than just like buying a bunch of like <laughs> like the corporate pride and all yeah, of that no, no, so no, 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 I no, no, could go no, no. on a I'd... different rant about that but um yeah there needs to be like an actual celebration I don't know what that is without somebody telling me hey here's a big festival so maybe we need to, to plan something um, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> alright
0: maybe we'll just have like a little parade around my house yes <laughs> So, so what was your first Pride experience? I'm so curious because I feel like, you know, I feel like we are always sort of saying like, you know, like, oh, like, I mean, there is like an age difference between the two of us, but it's always like, Mm -hmm. you know, oh my God, I'm like your grandpa. And it's like, no, I'm super not. But like, you know, I feel like Pride has changed. And so like, you know, I'm curious, you know, what, what have your, like, what have some of your favorite Pride experiences been? Or what's your, your, your first Pride experience?
1: Yes, so I don't remember if I actually went around Pride Month. I went to multiple of them, but when I went, when I still lived in D.C., they would have these things called Black Femme Brunch. And it was just like Black Femmes and anybody who like identified with that spectrum, like oh. of any gender gender identity, but Black, you got to be Black. So anyone who identify, if you're like, if you're a woman and femme, if you're cis, if you're trans, if you are a more masculine woman, but you still identify, we're going to black femme brunch, if you are non-binary but still identify with like it, it didn't matter it was just like black Fan brunch and those were my thing. yes they were so fun i think they still have black Fan brunch man if any of y'all are listening shout out those were a good time so
0: well we'll figure it out and if we can post a link i'll put something in the show notes
1: yes yes because black fan brunch is lit and i just wish um I don't have capacity to do it, uh, but uh, somebody in Minneapolis talk to the people in D.C. and see if they want to start another chapter.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what? I don't mean to be rude to my new-ish Minneapolis peoples, but, like, y'all just need to learn how to brunch in general.
1: Ooh, you have a point.
0: I mean, I'm just saying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Points were made. Yeah, it's not like... I, I I think it's there, there's a difference between like brunch, like we sit down, we we get dressed mm. up, we sit down, we maybe you know sip
0: have sangria a mimosa, mimosa or whatever, have some French toast, and then and... there's
1: brunch. Yes,
0: capital B. Yes, <laughs> capital brunch. Capital
1: <Runch>. B. <laughs> the the B in bottomless is also capital. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a DJ. There is <laughs> there is just <laughs> wildness.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's French toast, and there's mimosas, but like it's a vibe.
1: You are welcome and encouraged to hit your two step at your table. Yes. Um. Yeah. Lots of Instagrammable moments. Um.
0: It's a know, party.
1: Yeah, it's a party. Maybe
0: one, two, five, six drag queens yeah. running around the place.
1: Yeah, you can. You know, yell Cardi B lyrics as they come on at the top of your lungs while feasting on your chicken and waffles. Lights, Beautiful. sirens, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, like, like,
0: like yeah. I need more of that in my life. It's so funny because my my dear friend Jordan um, and I, like, we used to, like, I mean, brunch. Like, we knew all the spots in D.C. Yes. For Bottomless. We were there. At opening till closing. <laughs> <laughs> and when I moved here, he was just like, Oh, like, you know, I just miss going to brunch with you. Are you are you and Dennis going to brunch? And it was like, We've been to brunch once. And it was just like two mimosas and like some eggs. And then Wah-wah. we left. And I was just like this just makes me too sad.
1: <laughs> Let me show you how it's really done.
0: Yeah. So maybe <laughs> maybe we open up a brunch spot that's pride, three sixty five, twenty oh. four seven.
1: I think you're on to something.
0: Thank you. I think you're on to something. Pride brunch.
1: We're gonna show Minneapolis how to really brunch. Or Saint yes. Paul. Let me let me or St.
0: Paul. You live or in Saint St. Paul. Paul.
1: Let me not be let me not be like that.
0: No, 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 no. It's 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 <laughs> fine. Either way. Or we could just have two. <laughs> or two. We could franchise. Just it's do a beautiful it. thing. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> so femme so black femme brunch. Yes. That was and I, and then I really don't else remember
1: would if it was on Pride Day. Honestly, like, I think because my first time, like, actually going to a Pride parade slash festival, I was kind of working at the same time. So I wasn't no. like, yeah. And also, okay, so... DC Pride has, like, a little different vibe, maybe because... Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And uh, when I was, like, really, like, in undergrad, out here in these streets, having fun, all of that, I think it took me a while to just learn about Black Pride in DC Mm. and that being its own different thing. Yeah, so in DC, Black Pride is its own whole other week. Right. and I hear it's a whole lot of fun. I think I may have gone to like one Black Pride event before. I and... don't
0: think I ever did because I was still kind of in my sort of figuring myself out yep. Yep. <laughs> situation yep. when I was living in D.C. So I never saying? went to a I never went to a Black Pride event, but like I would love to. The next time i'm in dc around yeah. pride time um i think it would be amazing um but yeah no totally a totally different vibe mm-hmm. i completely agree mm-hmm. um and what's so interesting is that like i think when i first moved here it felt as though like that sort of corporateness of pride yes. hadn't made it out here yet where like you know, in DC, like that's all. Like, here's the Merrill Lynch float, yeah. and here's the <laughs> you know Citibank float, Happy and Pride from Wells Fargo. Would, would you <laughs> like a Wells Fargo rainbow frisbee? <laughs> 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 uh, well, I'd like a mortgage, maybe, right. but like you can keep your frisbee. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and being just the capital, capital too. It's like,
1: here's the float from the DNC. Yeah. and And stuff like that. Like,
0: okay. It's like, here's the DNC, and then here's, like, the float from Blazing Saddles.
3: Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like boys in, in thongs and cowboy hats. Like, okay. The, yeah. the cognitive dissonance. But, like... Here, at least like when I first moved here, it all just felt so earnest mm. and like sort of like how that that hadn't sort of infiltrated yet. now, you know, cut to seven years later, it's Target uh. and Best Buy and, you know, all of that. Yeah. Um, But there still is this like, you know, kind of kind of quaint familial vibe yeah. to the proceedings that I really appreciate. And of course, you know, every year you know, Black Lives Matter, um, is a part of the proceedings, you know, whether I know one year they were actually part of the parade, but, you know, every other year since, um, BLM came into existence, they have been, you know, doing protests ahead of the parade, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to, I think it's an incredible, beautiful thing because, you know, obviously like, you know, pride was a riot, as you said. but, you know, I suppose there are certain folks who don't appreciate that because they want their party to not be delayed. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. People who are objecting to the protest at the protest, but okay. <laughs> it's
1: giving like, oh, don't make me think about racism during Pride. Pride.
4: Like... You know, Like
0: <laughs> I think I told I've, I've had a number of experiences um, like there was one year Dennis and I were down there and um, we were just like minding our b- own business watching the parade and there was this woman who was behind me and she started a conversation and she seemed nice and it was like oh happy pride yada 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 whatever and then the folks from BLM walk through and that was the year that they were actually like a part of the parade and like you know and I was like yeah woo, BLM yes absolutely um you know and I was screaming and whooping it up and then somehow I don't know what happened but like she kind of like tapped me on the shoulder and just gave me this look and I was just like "Uh uh-oh some BS is about to happen and she just goes I'm just curious What do you really think about Black Lives Matter? Like in this way, like that she was like about to like school me, or yeah. And I was just like, what do I think about these people who are walking down the street (laughs) talking about my life matters? I feel I feel good about that. I I I'm in support of them and their work and their bravery. And I think they're wonderful, beautiful people. Um, You know, what? And I just knew that some like effery was about to go down. And so I just like looked at her and I was like, I'm not doing this with you today. (laughs) And I just turned right back around and continued to enjoy the parade. And then I just heard out of the side of my ear her like look at Dennis and go what did he say and I just and this is why I married this man because he turned around and he was like he said that he's not doing this with you today because we are Period. and I was yes. like okay that's why I'm marrying you and I love you with the backup yes he said love it And then there was another time. (laughs) Um, Whenever the last Pride was, um, I guess it was 2019. And we had had some friends over. We were doing um, like mimosas and breakfast, like little pastries or whatever. And we kind of lost track of time. And so we got there down to the parade super late. And um, so there was this woman there and she was there with her child and you know obviously I am not going to presume how this child um, you know what their their gender identity is because I didn't ask but the you know I, I would guess that the child was queer and she was um, you know standing there taking pictures and we kind of staked out our spot and I was standing on the end of the group and we kind of struck up a conversation like oh happy pride whatever yada 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 um, and so then I started asking her like, "Oh, did the parade start late? Um, you know, we were, you know, it took us forever to get down here. Um, you know, but you know, were there protests or were the did the BLM protesters come out?" And she was just like, "Yes, they did, and I'm so mad. I feel like somebody should shoot them." Mm-hmm. And it's just like, "I wow. I I'm sorry." Did you just say I'm that? sorry, what? At your
1: mouth? Really?
0: Yeah, at Pride. No okay. <laughs> Um, Like, I mean, at anywhere, but like, especially at Pride. Um, and so, I mean, obviously, I just like put my hands up. I put my hands up. I just kind of backed away from the crazy lady. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I mean, I just could not, I couldn't believe it. Like, you know, and and it it just kind of feels like, you know, why are you here? You know, yeah. if you're not here to support the entire community, which, you know, means, you know, people of color, um, like, whose lives also matter. And it just, you know, it, it, it brings up for me just, like, this idea that, like, you know, you know, what really is, like, you know allyship to these people is it just like as long as we're like entertaining them like as long as we're not like you know hurting their feelings Mm. (laughs) um you know and if that's the case like you know like you can keep your allyship like that's cool that's fine (laughs) and we're we're gonna have a good time over here um so i don't know it just (laughs) it's like clearly your support is conditional
4: Mm -hmm. Like
1: it's super conditional. Like anyone who wants to call themselves being an ally to queer and trans folks, but then is gonna like react so violently when, when race is also brought up when like at at this point, not that you need this, there are whole studies that say our experience as queer folks, is not it's not the same as what white mm-hmm. queer folks experience. So, if you that's really your reaction, like I question if you're, or I would say you're not even really like an ally at all. Like, no, no.
0: <laughs> you're not.
1: You're just not. It's not. Definitely I don't not. see them
0: as either or. Definitely not. And it's just, I don't know. sometimes I just wonder (laughs) what exactly it is that they think is happening here because we all know that like you know pride essentially is a is a protest like you said before like you know the first pride was a riot and it's like you're upset about like a protest at the protest like why are you here (laughs) it just doesn't make sense to me like the like the Sort of the cognitive, hoop, like, like you know, all we are really are just, you know, we're just glitter and streamers and jockstraps and, <laughs> you know, disco music and, mm-hmm. like, an excuse to, like, come down and get drunk. Like, no, no, that's not what this is. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And it's, like, this is about liberation, but liberation from attitudes like that. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <sighs> and so much of, like, what is foundational to... Just I I guess queer culture in, in general, like <laughs> started with black folks with black queer mm-hmm. and trans folks, mm-hmm. with Latinx queer and trans folks. like it's just there's just no way to make it make sense. <laughs> like you literally like you do not have a pride without us. like you for real don't so i i how did we how did we get so far
0: <laughs> what are away you from
1: of? the origin <laughs> even like and, and and i love that you mentioned people like reducing it to just like glitter and fun music and all of that because there's actually there's so much about it that is actually like political mm. and I I have to constantly remind people that, like, where we hear in the political sphere all the time now, identity politics mm-hmm. was first, like, popularized by Black lesbians who were talking about who, Black socialist lesbians, lesbian feminists, who were articulating how they, like, use that as a point of departure from, like, their politics and when they organize. Like, they center their their own their own experiences, but also use that to connect to others. It wasn't this slim, this thing it is now of identity politics is, you know, you're just just identity politics. You only want, you know, things for your people or you're using, you know, identity to, to be a victim. And that's not what it was originally about at all. So... Just want to make that point that
4: yeah. <laughs> even a lot of I the, actually, politics, I didn't, I didn't the politics know be that. coming
1: from. Yes, yes. It is in the um, Combahee River Collective Statement. Oh. And the Combahee River Collective was a um, collective of black feminists. Um, I believe mostly lesbian, mostly socialists who released this statement, the Combahee River, River Collective Statement. And it has just been like an iconic black feminist document ever since because it's so perfectly articulates articulates i remember reading it in actually i'm glad we got to this and because <laughs> i forgot about like I just what, how important this was in my development is like a black queer gender variant woman um Because I was taking a class at Howard my senior year. It was Critical Writing and Aesthetics with Professor Otis ramsey Zoe. Shout out to him if you listen to this somewhere. That was one of my favorites. But he had us read this and talk about like Black feminist like aesthetics. Um, And just reading it blew my mind. I had never heard somebody articulate so clearly like the... The intersection where I stood, like being being Black, being a woman, being queer, and especially in movement spaces, like <laughs> all, so many of the pro-Black spaces are mostly male, or you go into the queer spaces and they're mostly white, mostly or white, yeah. you go into the... The feminist spaces and it's mostly white women or and you have to try to alert them to their (laughs) to their (laughs) to their racism or these women were even talking about like being leftist socialist and in those spaces still having to, I mean, much less so than the others, but still having to get people together. And I felt so, so seen by that mm. document if you've not read the Kumbahi River Collective Statement thank you um need to no. read that I do need to
0: read that you're absolutely right
1: yeah <laughs> I mean I, you'll immediately like within reading it see how it in, has informed what we're hearing today like right off the bat but it's stuff like that that gets you know gets erased and a lot of it's writers are still living Barbara Smith is one of the like main architects she's still she's still living um, and her sister whose name is, uh, escaping me right now. But yeah.
0: yeah. Wow. No, I definitely have to check that out. But I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, another, you know, cliche, you know, the political is personal. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Um, <laughs> aye, 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 People. <laughs> but i mean it is it is a fun time you know and yeah. i
1: do you have a favorite pride a favorite pride memory
0: um okay <laughs> had some well fun time somewhere in there <laughs> well i okay i i'll give you two answers so the the unserious answer like my the funniest <laughs> memory i have of pride so um, my friend jordan that i'm i mentioned earlier you know is super straight just capital s straight the straight straight as an arrow <laughs> and so one year when i was in dc um i didn't like you know we've been talking about i i didn't have like a huge queer community mm-hmm. when i was there and i had been writing for um a queer publication which has since gone under after I left over <laughs> some white nonsense, but I'm well, not going to. My Virgo Mars is just gonna keep that under wraps <laughs> and not be shady. <laughs> not gonna spill that tea. I'm not gonna spill that tea. But what hot. it re- what it resulted in is that this feeling of the queer community that I did have at that time, sort of not really, sort of feeling very comfortable. Like sort of being in that space and sort of, you know, feeling kind of sad um, that I felt like I didn't really have um, a community to spend pride with that year. And so he was like, I'm here to support you. I'm going to be your ally. We're going to go to Pride together. It's going to be great. And I was like, cool. This boy shows up to DuPont Circle wearing a Breaking Bad (laughs) t-shirt and some cargo shorts. Oh no! And I was like, "Honey, okay." Oh well, gosh, okay. You're here. You should have sent matters. me some pictures
1: of your outfit first. We could have. but mean, that's okay, you're here. Like, we <laughs> can
0: take an Uber back to your place, and we can pick something out that's a little bit more appropriate. We're not late. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. But he was there. He was there. That was what was important. And so we staked out a spot, and it was actually an amazing spot, Dupont Circle, like right um, where the parade turns up New Hampshire. Um, avenue just like this perfect spot to be able to see anything and we were right in the front and like as the parade was starting like you know it's you know people are throwing beads and music and dancing and it's super exciting and like I could see him like like at first like he wasn't sure exactly what to expect because he'd you know never been to pride before <laughs> and, like you know was keeping an open mind but was still just kind of like what is all this is you that? know what is <laughs> what is going on here and like as like you know he's getting more beads around his neck and like you know water sprayed on him and stuff like Mm -hmm. he's just like and like having like the best time of course and like the (laughs) hugest smile on his face and he's dancing he never dances it's like you know super fun and then this nice young gay man comes over and puts the coupon for Chipotle, the two for one Chipotle in his hand. Mm. And when I say I have never seen a happier person (laughs) in in my life, what? I get free Chipotle. I'm an ally forever. I love gay
2: people. You will be in the streets, every pride
0: from there on out. Like? absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and you know and he was the best man in my wedding he, so he has been a, a staunch a staunch Brock ally um ever since um so shout out to Jordan but my my real mm. answer to that um I mean I guess the sentimental one is really just all the prides um you know Dennis and I have been together for it'll be nine years in July Aww. which is insane <laughs> That's beautiful. time just flies but like all of the ones that i've gotten to spend with him um because you know i was born in 1981 um so i'm kind of like a cuspy millennial and mm-hmm. so but it, like you know i still remember a lot of those sort of like gen x sort of cultural moments touchstones whatever what have you um so i remember being like 10 years old and like seeing Norman on the real world and like, you know, sort of that first sort of like blush of, you know, gay representation on TV and then like Will and Grace. And so like the way that the culture was sort of moving towards, you know, at the time it was, um, uh, not uh, accepted tolerance, Um, you know, and I remember going and seeing, you know, to Wong Fu with my mom and like the bird cage, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> and like having this inkling that like you know oh like this is this has something to do with me mm-hmm. um, but at the same time like you know on the, the other side of that coin you know obviously is just you know whether it's overt or covert you know just that intolerance that was in the air is still in the air you know I think perhaps it's a little less socially acceptable now i mean i guess i'd like to think but like you know obviously in many places in the world and the country that is not true um Mm. but you know i had family members who were just like on some like dr umar bs and like you know i i Mm. learned you know from a very early age that like this was not okay like you know, that like any sort of expressions of like any of sort of my more femme qualities um, were not to be expressed. Um, That any sort of, you know, homosexual tendencies or desires needed to be suppressed. And so I carried that with me for a really long time. And even when I sort of came out of the closet, um, I was 20 I believe um, mm-hmm. and it was just like alright I'm going to start dating I'm going to start like you know being exactly who I am you know like writing for gay publications going to you know gay spaces making yes. um, gay friends there was still that thing in the back of my mind that was like that I had to unlearn mm-hmm. um That was just like you know this is not cool this is not okay um and you know thankfully like all of those people in my family have since evolved and you know (laughs) I want to I want to make sure to you know Shad them out and that they are super supportive of me and my you know marriage and they love Dennis more than me sometimes it (laughs) seems like (laughs) and so like you know that that's been a really beautiful thing you know they've been doing their unlearning as well but I think a big part of it for me was to be able to be just in a relationship with somebody who just in general um you know Help, has helped me just sort of find myself um, mm. in any number of ways. And so, um this um this time of year, it just sort of reminds me, like we are two gay men who are married. It's cool. We're fierce. Yeah, <laughs> We're that. amazing. We are proud. We are proud to be together. We are proud of our friends. We are proud of our, like, super awesome allies. We are proud of our colleagues. Um, everyone who is, you know, working to create a more just and equitable world, no matter who you are, and that, like, we get to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it, like we were saying before, like, that whole family vibe. And that, yeah. like, you know, we get to be a part of that. And so, you know, I guess it's it's nothing particularly specific because I guess, like, the specifics would be, like, us, like, you know, tackling people for beads and drinking <laughs> too many gin and tonics. <laughs> 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 um, but, yeah, just, you know, being able to just, you know, spend this time with him and just be exactly who we are yeah. um, is just, that's the best part of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm returning to that feeling every year around this time. Is... Yeah,
0: yeah. So, I mean, it's not really a, a memory per se. So, I guess I didn't answer your question properly.
1: But... <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. No, it was a beautiful... You answered it completely and beautifully. So, thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, thank, you. <laughs> thank
3: you.
0: Well, you know, all of us here at The Score, including Lee, you know, we just want to, once again, just reiterate that you all are our family, you know, no matter who you are, and especially to our LGBTQIA family, we just want to reiterate happy pride, have the happiest, happiest, happiest pride. Um, I hope, you know, wherever you are, um, that you're able to go out safely, of course, wear your masks mm-hmm. if, you know, that's your jam, get vaccinated. And uh, go out and uh, tear it up, please. <laughs> mm-hmm. And be your amazingly beautiful, fierce, awesome, incredible selves. And I'm snapping just involuntarily. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, and we love you and happy Pride.
1: Yeah, happy Pride. Get out there, have fun, and be safe. And if you cannot get out there to pride or if the people around you do not affirm your queerness your transness your aceness or whatever your identity is then know that we see you and we love you and we affirm you and hopefully you get to feel uh
0: some of that love this month absolutely oh and and i just want to say um so a couple of years ago i was at loring park and i was by myself i don't remember why i was by myself oh because i was because i was working the minnesota opera booth Mm -hmm. um (laughs) you know and come check us out if we're there um in july (laughs) um but i ran into an old friend and she was working for twin cities pride and she was creating a video and so she asked me a question that was like You know, something like, you know, if there's anybody who has never been to a Pride and is considering it, you know, and is nervous about it, you know, what would you say to them? And so, like, I'll say what I said to her. If, you know, you are at home and you are thinking that you want to go down there and you want to, you know, experience Pride for yourself, um, you know, if you are sort of struggling... um, you know, with your your sexuality, your gender identity, whatever it is, um, please just go. Um, you know, mm-hmm. get in an Uber, get on a bus. Um, even if you feel like, you know, you don't have, like Paige said, you know, a community that affirms you and supports you, go, just go because that community is down there and they are waiting for you. And, like, even if you go down there and you don't talk to anyone, you just maybe go and buy, like, a pair of sunglasses. Like, that that pair of sunglasses will always be a reminder um, that you are loved, that you are supported, that you are part of this community, that we want you, that we love you. And uh, I just, I can't recommend it highly enough.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, echoing all that. Go down there. Get you some love from one of the many moms who are always there uh, giving out hug? free hugs. <laughs> <laughs> there are people who go to prize specifically for that. They're like, my queer kid got to have great mom hugs, but I know lots of queer kids did not, and so I am here to hug as yes. many of you as I can. And like shout
0: out to those moms. Shout
1: out. Y'all doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Lord L O R D E
0: and I will be wearing a mask, and I I will be all vaxxed up, vax, and and I am all vaxxed up. So like, I I'm here for free hugs too. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but happy Pride, Woo! happy Pride. <laughs> Alphabet, all right, gang, and gang gang gang, gang. absolutely. <laughs> um, so coming up, actually, I promised earlier in the show that we were going to talk about uh, a little something we have for the lee bynum stands and that is true
1: me i'm the lee bynum stands
0: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um so this is going to be coming out on the 11th i believe so yesterday on the 10th lee hosted a panel discussion called remembrance and restitution a conversation on juneteenth the tulsa race massacre and their legacy in african-american history um you know We are super excited to be celebrating Pride all June. Um, But on June 19th, um, Juneteenth is coming up, which is another exciting, incredible um, celebration for the Black community here in America. And so uh, Lee uh, hosted a panel discussion um, that was presented by the Dream Unfinished Orchestra and the Harlem Chamber Players. In anticipation of the Harlem Chamber Players upcoming performance of Pity These Ashes, Tulsa 1921 to 2021, which was written by uh, our guests last week, Dr. Adolphus Hale -Hale Stork and Dr. Herbert Martin. And this is a uh, panel discussion. Um, that features uh, not only Lee, but also Ashley Jackson, who's the assistant professor of music at, at Hunter College, Ashley Lawrence Sanders, who's the assistant professor of. Uh, African American History at the University of Dayton, and Jasmine A. Young, the Assistant Professor of Ethnic Studies at UC Riverside. And so uh, they were kind enough to let us use um, the audio from their discussion yesterday, and we are super excited to share this informative and uh, exciting conversation with you. So we hope you enjoy it, and we will be back afterwards um, for our PB&J. We'll see you in a sec.
2: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us this afternoon. I'm here with three wonderful colleagues to discuss the Tulsa race massacre, Juneteenth, and why they matter, especially to black arts. So I want to make sure that you know who is with us today, whose knowledge we will all benefit from hearing. So perhaps if we could start with you, Ashley Lawrence Saunders, we'll just go around, introduce ourselves quickly and jump right into the discussion.
5: Uh, hi, I'm Ashley Lawrence Sanders. Uh, this fall I'll be starting as an assistant professor at University of Colorado finishing up my time now at University of Dayton uh, I generally work on black historical memory and currently I'm working on my first book project which is on black Civil War memory
2: that sounds awesome and extremely timely thank you so much <laughs> for being here Ashley thank um, you. while we're introducing people call it Ashley dr. Jackson. <laughs>
3: Haley, um, my name is Ashley Jackson. I am an assistant professor at Hunter College in the music department, and I'm a harpist as well. Uh, and I guess my most pressing project at the moment is working on my debut solo album, which looks at conversations between African-American spirituals and future forms of black musical expression. So really happy to be here.
2: Thank you for being here. And you will also be featured on the concert as well. So we get a two for one with you. Thank you so much for being here. And also Jasmine Young.
4: Thank you for having me. My name is Jasmine Young. I'm an assistant professor um, in the Department of Ethnic Studies at UC Riverside. My work looks at Black women and armed resistance in the civil rights and Black power era. So I'm interested to see how these conversations go and what I can add as a 20th century historian uh, to the mix. Um, So I'm happy to be here. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much for being here, Jasmine. I have been such a huge fan of your scholarship for I think the last 15 years or so, as you know. So I'm so happy that you can be here today in this context. Um, And last and possibly least, I'm Lee Bynum. I am the chair of the board of the Dream Unfinished, which is co-producing this event alongside Harlem Chamber Players. And in my spare time, I'm also the vice president for Impact at Minnesota Opera, where I look at how classical music can actually be something that is more accessible and more open to people of color. So I'm super interested in what we'll be talking about this afternoon. So to begin, I'd love to pose to the group why do the Tulsa race massacre in Juneteenth still matter, especially right now in our current political climate?
5: Well, I mean, I could, I could get started. Um, I think that we're actually in this really interesting moment where uh, just the, the violence of the state has led people to really reconsider and to revisit a lot of historical events and also sort of black commemorative traditions. Um, And in a weird way, the Tulsa massacre to me has been having like this moment, which feels like a weird thing to say about a really violent event, but it's been having this moment over the last like five to 10 years or so in popular culture and like social media history. I don't know what way you want to call it, but I've seen a lot about like black wall street and you know, everything about black wall street just coming up again and again, I saw it on a t-shirt a hmm. uh, t-shirt on Instagram, a picture of Black Wall Street burning. Like, so there's a way in which it's also weirdly become commercialized like Juneteenth. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Um, but I think that it's important because people are connecting the dots between this long history of racial violence in the United States. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the racial violence that is being conducted now by the police and other agents of the state is not a new thing um that black people's lives have always been endangered that you know juneteenth celebrates like the time when you know the slaves in texas realize that they're free that they get this you know that they're free finally and it's like the last spot of freedom i'm putting that in quotes because i'm a historian (laughs) uh, because i know there are still people enslaved after like you know it's complicated right but the reality is i think too it's like it's celebrating this but i saw a lot of people saying freedom is still this fight Mm -hmm. tulsa proves that freedom is still the fight Mm-hmm. Minneapolis proves their freedom is still the fight. Like it's still like an ongoing project. And one of the interesting things I think about studying these freedom celebrations is that black people knew it was an ongoing project. Yeah. Like they yeah. knew nothing was finished. They were yeah. like, We're no longer in chains, but they knew that like these same sort of battles would continue. Yeah.
2: And, you know, to your point, it, it has been very interesting, right, this almost sustained interest in the last couple of years in these events. And, and you know, obviously during the, the Trump administration, it felt like there were a, it felt like a different level of emphasis yeah. on the disenfranchisement of Black people. But part of my surprise as being an historian of popular culture is seeing the ways that like Tulsa Race Massacre itself has really appeared quite a bit in film recently, right? We had it in Lovecraft Country, we also had it in The Watchmen. And it's been very interesting to see that juxtaposed with science fiction, right? (laughs) Because it's not science fiction, like Uh this is very much like in our present, not just in our memories.
4: I was kind of excited to see it in um in The Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um partly because you know it was coupled with this this uh skip gates uh what was it, the the Bureau of Reconciliation? Yeah, that's like uh, the, the Heritage Center. Yeah, like the and the Center. Heritage Center, <laughs> yeah. and you can kind of go back. And so there was this way in which, as historians, I think we're always kind of interested in how do we make this history accessible right. and really kind of matter for our present day. And they, right. I think that they did this interesting thing. And I was like really excited about it, you know, and I'm not always excited about the ways in which, Um, TV and films kind of take up these historical moments because they just decide to butcher them. They're like, oh, these books over here, I'm not going to read them. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, (laughs) and we spent all this time writing these books and being in the archive and trying to get it right. And then they're just like, no. Um, But I was, I was really fascinated by how they took it up. and and, And what it ended up doing is getting all of these new people to know about this particular moment in time. Right. And I thought that that was really fascinating because again, it created all of these new conversations that I was having with people who who may not even know this history. And so I thought that that was really cool. Um.
3: Yeah, I know. And I think, you know, um, Ashley, uh, you talked about how, you know, current events that we're seeing sort of violence against Black bodies in a very different kind of, on a different stage. Um, And it concerns me, the almost sense. Sensationalization, if that's a word, um, of such uh, continued uh, violence and oppression, and then seeing it in popular culture. I mean, yes, it's important that we're now putting these events on people's people's minds and on their radars. Um, but you know, the question that we always have to ask ourselves is: Is it putting it also in people's hearts, or is it something? Are we the the or or, or are we simply enjoying the viewing of black pain?
2: Right, which feels like it's an ongoing question, especially lately in popular culture, right? You had this um, brouhaha on social media about two weeks ago with Lena Waithe's newest project. And it's an interesting way of commodifying Black pain. And I think that's something that America has been very, very good at over the years, right? But it's coming at the same time as we're trying to package Juneteenth as this easily portable celebration of whatever we want to overlay on it right now. And I'm, I'm curious how all of you see like that piece of this, right? And, and maybe also why it makes sense as a bookend right now with the Tulsa race massacre.
5: I, you know, I might have a slightly controversial view of that, <laughs> which is that I, it was just so weird to me how Juneteenth became this national thing. I think of it so specifically as Texas, right? Like it is so specific to me as Texas history, not just as like a historian, but someone who grew up hearing about Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. I grew up in South Carolina and Emancipation Day is January 1st. Thank you. Like That's the day that the (laughs) Emancipation Proclamation was read out and that's the day And then like, I know that different states have different things, like in New York, it was like in July, Mm -hmm. right? Like in in a lot of places it's August 1st after, you know, Caribbean, like emancipation in August. So like, it's, you know, there are like very specific local histories around this that I felt like kind of got erased Mm -hmm. by everybody like jumping Mm -hmm. on Juneteenth. Like, and I think the local histories tell a story which is that it was not a single moment, right? Like there was not one moment where all black people were free in the U.S. at that single moment that like there was there was differences, right? Like the North had their days because people were free there decades before. In South Carolina, where you had Union troops come through early and start to, you know, started some of the plantations are liberated and burnt down. You have people free. You have, you know, soldiers in South Carolina reading the emancipation proclamation about what that means for them. Juneteenth happens because Texas doesn't get you like there's just there are a lot of local histories. And the other like not part that I'm like, maybe this isn't as controversial is like the corporatization element of it just yes. felt so weird to me. Yes. Coming off of a lot of my weirdness around like corporations being like, we support black businesses is like, you know they were like all taking that in as their thing. Um, everybody getting Juneteenth off yeah. being like the new push. And I like, no disrespect to all the black activists who push for that. But I feel like that was kind of like a weird moment for me as like, we're all coalescing around this day off Mm. as like a thing to like say at the end of a protest, but it's like, is it a day off? Like, you know, who, you know, is it a holiday? Like, what are we celebrating? If people want to celebrate, it's fine. But it felt like this weird kind of like, and at the end of all this protest about, you know the death of black folks, here's a holiday. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like a true cynic, which I am.
2: <laughs> <laughs> But it's a it's a fair point. I feel like right that like we are really challenged with maintaining historicity like broadly in America. That's not something that's specific to people of color or things associated with people of color. And and I think that like we have in the black community being very, very good about the ways that we have used our art to anchor us into a certain kind of history. But it does feel like this has been something that, I don't know, it's been a little harder, a little less tangible, maybe because for those of us who don't grow up in Texas, it it isn't a part of of our conception. I grew up in Virginia. We don't have anybody's Emancipation Day and for other people who grew up in Virginia, I think there are clear reasons why that is, right? But I'm curious about how all of you think about how can we use art in this moment to help us be a little more securely moored into what those moments were and not so much a day off or a, a chance to go and, and watch something interesting on television, but something that is com- fundamentally disconnected to what that moment
3: was. You know, I, um, I think of, uh, I mentioned in my introduction, I'm, I'm working on spirituals. And so that's very much on my, in my fingers and, and in my heart. And when I'm talking about African-American spirituals, I often say that they're like living artifacts for me Uh, as a musician and and as a Black person that reading the words and and saying the words and singing the words, that's the closest I can come to what may have been in my ancestors' hearts because they are so packed with layers of meaning. Um, They were necessary forms of communication between the enslaved you know they were forms of entertainment for their oppressors, but then they had these other layers of meaning that would say, you know, for instance, this is where uh, we're meeting later this evening. This is how we're going to be making our journey home, and it's all packed in there. Um, and every now and then we get words, uh, you know, that talk about the pain. Um, and so art has been our form of survival in this country. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear other other's thoughts on, on that as well. Maybe the, the non-music folks.
2: And I'm curious too, if you three think that that is still what we're doing with music, right? Um, Jasmine, like I am, you also focus on the 20th century, right? And is that, how do you read our art right now relative to some of these things? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little easy question for you.
4: How do I read our art right now relative to these? I That's a really interesting question. I'm not, I'm not sure how to tackle it. Um, I think at this particular moment, I feel really um, weary yeah. Um, of what I'm seeing, uh, what I'm hearing in terms of the art. Uh, there's this moment in which there's a lot of access for Black folks to create art and be paid for it, mm-hmm. um, for their art to be featured in or uh, kind of bolstered by these really big corporations, right? So you get someone, you know, <laughs> You mentioned Lena Waithe, and I was like, oh, God. (laughs) You know, because I was thinking about, you know, this is a person who has all of this access. And in those moments of having access, the stories that she particularly chooses to tell are ones in which she reifies some of the things that, like, we're trying to break away from. And I think art is so powerful because it has, like, you know, there's now in academia, like there's all this kind of conversation about Afrofuturism and Afro, you know, futuracity and all this other stuff. Art is that space, right? Where we can imagine freedom in these ways. We can imagine liberation in these beautiful and, and like vivid ways, right? Where we can smell it and taste it and feel it. And then you have someone like Lena who gets these, these opportunities. And then like, you know, I'm thinking of, Queen and Slam, Slam and Queen. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure who was Queen Queen and and who was Slam, but you know, that whole thing just, and I know that's not what we're talking about necessarily, right, but like, it's just like, when we have these opportunities, what are we doing with them, right? Like, can we seize the moment to speak to our history and then imagine something beautiful, imagine something different, break away from like all of the ways in which, you know, we are, Are constantly bombarded with, like, you know, um, pain and suffering and uh, capitalism. And (laughs) because that's a big one. Um, Yeah. So, so I'm a little weary right now, but, you know, maybe I'm just not looking in the right places.
5: Yeah. I mean, I think, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's so interesting because. You know, like, as somebody who, like, was, like, bombarded with advertisements for that TV show, and then I saw who was involved, I was like, mm, we've done the horror as racism, racism as horror, like, I watched Lovecraft, I watched, like, I, you know, and as far as, like, you know, those shows, I appreciated some of the things they did, not all, to be frank, um, you know, but I think that, like, I was like, okay, we, we've kind of, like, done this trope. And then like to hear about just like visceral violence in that show. And then to hear the the guy, I actually can't remember. I think it's Little Marvin, who's like the main creator of the show. And this is somebody, I'm not, this is not an insult. I've never heard of him before, but for him to have that kind of like responsibility to do this kind of thing, to be produced by Lena Wave, to get an Amazon contract, and then to produce something like this. And I'm not team no slave movies. Like, you know, I'm not that person at all. I, I am anti those people for a lot of reasons. Cause I'm like, name 10 slave movies, can't. So, you know, like I'm not that person but I do think that there's like a care there's like the lack of care around showing black the violence against black people and black trauma on screen and thinking that that's the message. Right. So like listening to interviews with him and he was like, oh, I felt like people needed to see this. Who needs to see this? Who is the royal we here? (laughs) Right. Like, who are we who are we discussing that needs to see this kind of violence? And if you're going to make something and use the history of slavery or the history of Jim Crow, and if you're not handling with care and with a gaze that's not centered into a white gaze, then what are we doing? I mean, I don't know what projects will do that. I know Barry Jenkins has Underground Railroad coming out. I'm a fan of his. So I'm like, you know, we'll see, you know, what that, what that looks like. I've read the novel. Um, I know that, you know, he had an interesting thing about centering the black gaze that I was like watching the other day, uh, a video that he put out, which I love that just complete turnaround. He was like, I don't think about the white gaze. I think about the black gaze. So what does it mean to tell a story about slavery that thinks about the Black gays? Um, I don't know, I think that, you know, I, I just, but I think to Jasmine's point, a lot of money is being poured right now into projects that are you know, like have Black creators attached to them. And it's kind of what people ask for, but I think people need to ask for more. Like people are like, oh, give Black people money to these projects. I'm like, well, what are these projects? Like, can we ask a better question about it Because there's so much like fruitful to like Jazz's point, I think to Ashley's point too, like there's something about this history of slavery that is the connection that brings us through the diaspora, right? That like, I feel like is so missing. There's just something about the soul of it. I don't know how to put it, but there's something about the soul of it that's missing from these projects to me. Like there's no, there's like no soul connection to like, what's, what's happening here.
2: I, I think that's like a such a beautiful way of naming that right and I, I think all three of you touched on some really pressing points about this like and I think as you called it Ashley what's so salient here is like a sense of responsibility and I think if we you know look at television and film on the one hand and then on the other hand look at something like spirituals right where there really isn't a lot of money in putting out a a, an album of spirituals right while there can be tens of millions of dollars coming out of a film or television and yet i feel like where so much responsibility like reverence goes into black artists and their treatment of spirituals working in opera every black opera singer goes this route at some point, because it, it is something that we, that feels like this is ours and we have to present these experiences with a lot of care. And then we move into a different medium and none of that is there, right? Even when some of it's very, very compelling. And, and I think that's, it's a complicated place to be because so much of how we understand black culture is what is going to be filtered through film and television. And I think there's an entire generation or two of us whose only context for freedom struggles is kind of what we're seeing in movies. And that's not where we're putting a lot of our care. So I'm, I'm curious if there are perspectives that some of you have around what art can do to showcase this better, right? Where can we be more responsible? How do we treat this with more care? And I don't want to put you on the, the spot, Ashley Jackson, but I'm, I'm curious because you do have this project coming up. What does that care look like? What does that mean in this context?
3: Well, wow, Lee, well, um, for me personally, uh, care means um, doing my research first and diving as, as deep as I can into the material and going as far back as I can to either the words of, of the enslaved or, you know, listening to very early Fisk Jubilee Singers recordings. And, and so that's what that kind of work looks like for me and just really trying to um or not even trying to, but almost closing my eyes, Lee, and and allowing those connections to happen organically, um, uh, because um, Ashley uh, Lawrence Sanders mentioned that it's sort of like through this art that we're connected across the diaspora, um, and uh, you certainly feel that when you when you can really go deep into into research on that material. So I think it just I think it's doing your homework yeah. Yeah. on this. Yeah.
2: Precisely the thing that people are no longer good at doing.
3: Yes. (laughs) I don't know how you get at
4: what Ashley Lauren Sanders talked about in terms of the soul though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I love that, right? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna chew on that later and I I don't know. You can't teach that. You You know, you you can't. You can't. I don't think you can teach it, but it's like
5: what makes artists good. And like, in my own work, I study historical memory. So I study a lot of art, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I study a lot of writing, even like poetry and music that people have done about like Civil war heroes, like black Civil war heroes, you know, operas that were put on about like people who led slave rebellions. And like, the one thing is like the political commitment mm-hmm. to the people that you're actually mm-hmm. like, are you actually politically committed to the things that they're writing about and the people that you're writing about? These are the questions, right? And Jasmine could probably talk a bit about you, you study Black Power Movement, probably Black Arts Movement, and what it means to like intersect that yeah. commitment and have that kind of connection. Yeah. And not to say like all political art is great art either, but like also I think that like having that sustained sort of commitment to like doing right by people mm-hmm. um, in art and outside of art can get you that. Like, so like a lot of the artists that I tend to enjoy because like, you know, getting enjoy even stuff that's like, you know, I honestly do not enjoy a lot of historical films to be frank. <laughs> it's hard. It's like hard. So like, that's not my favorite genre of entertainment. Um, But I think like getting at like music that I like and people that I like, when I know that like, you can tell that they're committed to like, that they've put in the work that they have a, you know, they have some kind of commitment to do it right by people. And you can tell it in the interviews and the way that they've talked about their process, mm-hmm. how they break down their process, how they engage with it, you know, listening to just Ashley talk just now about like, you know, her process and like how she's connecting to this music. And yeah, I mean, the there's a lot of politics involved in Black art. And I kind of feel like the politics that may be involved in Black art now is not the same kind of politics that have traditionally been involved in producing black art?
2: For sure. For
4: sure. You know, I think adding to both what these Ashleys have said and given <laughs> us, I think is maybe like the more possibilities of collaboration. Mm. You know what I mean? So like I started with talking about like these folks who take up these historical moments and then they just decide to just not do any of their homework. Um, what does it look like to be in conversation with folks who do this work, right? Like in a scholarly capacity. And then what does it mean to kind of move that from, from, our, from the ivory tower into something else, right? And so in my own uh, journey, I started working with a game designer and we took, um, and she's like, she does physical games. She creates physical games. We created a game called Tracking Ida. And what we did was we took the historical like record of Ida B. Wells and, and her method of journalism and investigative journalism specifically to learn about the lynchings of Black folks and to discover what was behind those lynchings. And we applied that to a game that folks, students could play. And it was such an amazing experience. And it's one that I think we need to be having more of, right? Like, how do we kind of... We need to kind of break down the silos because yeah. oftentimes we're talking to each other, we, you know, and and we have like this jargon that we talk about, and we think everyone knows what we're talking about. And it's like when you get a chance to like just talk to some folks outside of your field, you you really you learn how to talk to folks. <laughs> you you and and you know, then it becomes about teaching each other, and and I think that that's super super important. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It, it is, right? Because I feel like the, the ability to teach each other is the thing that allows for the, the restitution, right? And I think that's the thing that never has happened. So that's why when, for me, when we have some of these things and whether it's Watchmen or whether it's like 12 years a slave, because we haven't had that restorative peace and as a community relative to how we've been treated in this country, we have never been made whole. These things can't just be entertainment. And when they don't teach, when they don't put any kind of message forward, I think that adds to the soullessness, right? And I really try to take on what can I do as an academic? What can I do as an artist to actually pull some of this together and try to bring forth some of this healing, right? Mm -hmm. And, And the last thing I wanted to ask the three of you is, How can we use the work of black artists like as individuals whether we're talking about ourselves professionally or just more generally how do we use this work being done by black artists to make some of this restoration happen sounds like you
5: were making a case for reparations not just restoration
2: I am frequently making a case for <laughs> reparations.
5: <laughs> I mean, to be to be honest, you know, I was just thinking about, I was thinking again about Watchmen in Tulsa and about how that's like a world where reparations occurred, right? Yeah. Um, which I thought was really fascinating yeah. um, with the predictable responses of what would normally happen. <laughs> yeah. But like my one thing about like that kind of element of that show was that I felt like, within the art, you need you needed to focus on this single story. But within that story, there could have been a much broader story about racial violence in America. Because within Watchmen, you would think that this only happened in Tulsa. Right. Um, which goes back to like Tulsa sort of starting to occupy this like special space mm-hmm. of like the place everybody knows about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And then like within like the episode structure, I mean, the the show structure, you don't really get the concept of anything that's happening outside of Tulsa. So nothing is really connected to like the broader place, space of black people, how black this happened in literally dozens (laughs) plural of of cities across and towns across the United States all throughout the the 20th century. and I think that that's where the limitations are at times, and that there's a, but it could have happened yeah. that there's a limitation of imagination to mm-hmm. this point of like, you know, well, what if we don't act like these are exceptionalist circumstances and we actually address the fact that this was just a common thing in the US? So are you making a different show then? <laughs> maybe you are but like I think that speaks to like the possibilities of black art is sometimes the letdowns of like art And I say black art I know the show wasn't created by a black person though we're black writers um you know but like that like, that shows sort of like the limitations and the letdown of like how we imagine like what our duty is beyond or what people's duty is beyond just like an entertaining show right yeah. so like we could have maybe talked a bit more about, oh, well, this happened in Lane, Arkansas, or this happened in Chicago in 19, you
4: know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, no it's-, it's, it's,
3: it's, oh, go ahead, Ashley. <laughs> oh, no, I just was, um, um, off of Ashley's, uh, uh, point about sort of telling a broader story that if we're talking about Tulsa, you know, in, in the show that you're referencing, um, the stories is also about, a sort of, we, re- um, uh, Sort of a, a renaissance of of the district and of the city after the massacre. So perhaps the broader story is also one of of black perseverance and of black um, uh, achievement. And that's you know one of the things I love about this Harlem Chambers Players program um, that I'm playing on is that there is the Hale Stork piece, which commemorates uh, Tulsa race massacre. But there's also other pieces on the program that celebrate sort of our imagination and, mm. and our ability to dream and to um, call freedom different things. And, and there's even a, a space in the program for that soulness, that spirituality in the Alice Coltrane piece um, that I'll be playing on. And so I think the broader story can also include one of, of celebration of who we are. I
2: love that.
3: Gosh,
4: I feel like that just brought us home. You know, I hope that um, as I was thinking about today's conversation and thinking about how these uh, moments of violence, state violence enacted against Black people, is not you know specific to Tulsa and is not unique to Tulsa. I was thinking about Move in Philadelphia,
2: right? Mm-hmm.
4: And Move has come up in the in the news lately because we we learn that was it Penn State? It was UPenn and Princeton. UPenn and Princeton, two of the Ivy Leagues, mm-hmm. um, had. Um, The what the remains of two of the children, right? Mm -hmm. From this moment in which state violence is enacted against this this community. Tulsa gets really talked about in terms of Black Wall Street, right? Like uh, in terms of the economics, here are these Black people participating in capitalism in this way and then white folks are mad. And I kind of want to reframe that, right? And put Tulsa in conversation with MOVE and it's about Mm -hmm. Black folks and self-determination. Right, like our ability to determine for ourselves our future. And that Mm -hmm. self-determination is collective self, not an individual self. And so I'm hoping that Black artists can really kind of start to imagine that, like Black self-determination, because that's really what we need. And that's really what's going to, that's what I think, you know, folks are scared of. Um, The idea that Black folks would be able to move about the world as we see fit, how we see fit is somehow a really scary thought. Um, but that is that is what freedom is, right? Like that is what liberation is. And so that, that's where I, I, I hope to see Black artists move from. And um, I have faith. Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and so did those who came before us, right? And, and I think that's kind of the, the really glorious thing about Black art, right? Even in the times where things have been at their most desolate, Our art is always so hopeful and so forward looking, even as we acknowledge what has come before and honestly what always is happening at that moment. And I think that's a really, really powerful way to end this conversation. I am so grateful to all three of you for being a part of this. This was absolutely fantastic. I could talk to you all night, but I know that you have papers to grade because the semester just ended. Um, but I'm again, thank you all for being here. And I just wanted everyone in the audience to know, Pity These Ashes, the concert by Harlem Chamber Players, recognizing Tulsa 1921 to 2021 is scheduled for Saturday, June 19th, 2021, 7 p.m. Eastern standard time. I hope you all will tune in and thank you again, ladies, for being here. Bye-bye everybody. And we are back.
0: Back, 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 again. <laughs> so, as usual, um, we uh, are going to send you out into the weekend with a little delicious, sweet little PB&J, a moment of pure black joy. Yay. And so, Paige, I will go ahead and turn it over to you.
1: Yes, it's peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter, peanut jelly, butter jelly time. time. <laughs> <laughs> so, my black joy... Um, coming from the local art scene. uh, This past weekend, I viewed a program at the Walker Arts Center. Well, not at the center. It was online, actually, and it was hosted by them. But it was called Body Prayers, uh, Choreographer's Evening. So it was a film, it was filmed, actually, and was full of black dancers uh really? from yeah the twin cities or from I, maybe not just the twin cities but from minnesota and it was curated the curator is black too their name is deja Joel and um it was just gorgeous like I, I actually, I realized I know the filmmaker who who put together all the all the different pieces. Uh, their name is Aja Gildersleeve. Shout out to my, huh? my homie Aja. Um, okay. But it was just, it was so diverse, such a diverse program. It highlighted like a local group, um, voice of culture that does like African drumming and dance. Uh, there was Brazilian, Afro-Brazilian dance. There was hip hop. There Ooh. were, you know, pieces focused on black women. There were pieces focused on black men. There was black queerness represented. Um, okay. Yes, it was everything. Come I on, cried at one point. Really? <laughs> I cried. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you my what? favorite Um One of my favorite pieces was from a a duo, actually they're twins called Altawam and they're black, they're Muslim and their piece was just, oh, breathtaking. Like they involved like their spirituality. So it started off with them like on prayer mats together and um, you don't hear their words, but you just see them like mouthing prayers. And then it goes into the choreography, and the beat that dropped was fire. And there's just beautiful black people doing the most beautiful movement. And I just cried because I was like, look at what we can do like like, i just
0: that's the power that (sighs) is the power that we have as artists is so amazing Why
1: isn't it it's so amazing like i was moved by by the piece itself i was moved by just like the expansiveness of blackness that was represented in the program and so by the time it got to altawam i was just like ready to
0: I
5: just, I just love being black which is so amazing oh my god look at
1: what we can do with our gifts oh my god like
0: that one. but it's true but it's true but it's true <laughs> and that's why i always say that's why everybody wants our stuff it's yeah, that's true why. that's why we got the sauce mm-hmm. i don't know i i Y'all
1: gonna have to talk to the creator. I don't know what they were doing, but when they made black people, the hand slipped or something. They said, "Oh, too much sauce," but I, I, they tasted it and they were like, "It's actually great." So we're just gonna leave it's it. It's delicious. <laughs> yeah,
0: <so. laughs> Go yes. forth and prosper. <laughs> it's your saucy sales. Yes. <laughs> Well, that sounds wonderful. Is it still available? Unfortunately, it no. A... no. It was just oh.
1: available for the weekend. But I see, maybe I need to send them an email or something. Like, more people need to see this. It needs to be mm. available for longer. I, do whatever you need to do. To Adjust it. the contract. Pay the artist more. Stream this longer. It's, it was gorgeous. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm happy that you've had that experience. I want to have you. it too, though, so I'm <laughs> jealous. I want that kind of joy. But the, no, that sounds amazing. That sounds incredible.
1: Thanks. I mean, well, the world is, you know, it's slowly opening back up and there's yeah. more art. Although, well, this was filmed. This was filmed. I I think I went also, part of the beauty, and it's just that I didn't know what to expect. I didn't expect a full Film experience that Aja gave us—I did not expect that. I—I I thought it would might just be a camera pointed at a stage, and
0: <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> no, we we all learned from self-titled and Lemonade that that's not going to cut it anymore. Hello, okay.
1: <laughs> I mean, it also makes sense because I mean, shout out to Aja it may have been working with that Walker budget, so see mm-hmm. what we see what we do when we have the resources. Mm-hmm. See.
0: Yeah. Give it to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, we can, you know, maybe we don't, we can't have that experience for the time being, but, you know, we certainly can, you know, support all of those artists who mm-hmm. are a part of that. So I'll put the, the link to the Walker page on there Yeah. and or in the short, uh, in the show notes, why can't I talk today? <laughs> <laughs> and so we can, you know, we can support all those folks who are involved in it and just yeah. thank them for their artistry and just making the world a much more beautiful place, which is just what we need right now. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's so needed. so needed. Well, really? you know, I don't really, I guess I don't really have... I mean, my pure black joy for this week is actually has not happened yet, but I'm just anticipating that it's going to be very joyful. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, tomorrow is um, the six month reunion of the Art Equity BIPOC Leadership Circle. Oh, yay. Um, So, you know, Art Equity is um, a group, a nonprofit uh, group that... um, you know, launched in 2015 that provides tools and resources and uh, training at the intersection of art and activism. Um, And so really the idea is to, you know, sustain a culture of equity and inclusion and justice through arts and culture. And so Paige and I are both Um, alums of their national facilitator training Mm -hmm. program and I was able to be a part of their eight-week leadership cohort BIPOC leadership cohort last fall Um, and just both of those experiences were just so beautiful and Mm formative and just you know getting to be around um, artists and art leaders from just a variety of disciplines, from a variety of backgrounds, um, you know, an incredibly safe space to be a black person, um, to just speak what's on your heart, um, to learn and to grow, um, and to, you know, take things back to here in Minnesota and just start disrupting things and dismantling things. And <laughs> I feel like, you know, I. Just met a lot of incredible people who I'm so, um, lucky to, I feel so blessed to have in my life who I'm just sort of learning from on the daily, which includes you, Paige, of course, uh-huh. um, <laughs> because you were the one who encouraged me to apply, um, uh-huh. so I probably wouldn't have had that experience without you, um, And yeah, so it's just a beautiful thing. So, um, you know, if there's anyone out there who is in the arts who really wants to, you know, start working, um, you know, on just another level Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to your, you know, justice and equity work, um, I highly recommend checking out Art Equity. They have a number of, I know the applications for the second cohort, of the leadership circle are out now there's a board training um program there's Mm -hmm. um you know uh, how do you uh uh, courses around hiring um folks of color um and how best to do that it's amazing Um, how they've
1: been able to like expand offerings to people like all levels too so there's something for board there's something for leadership
0: there's there's just a you know just a basic anti-racism training Mm -hmm. you know so you know you or someone in your life is just like what is all this business I don't have time to pick up a book (laughs) 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 or whatever I don't know um but it's just such like a safe affirming non-gentle space or non-judgmental space Mm -hmm. um to to really um just broaden your horizons and build your capacity, and so just you know, shout out to Carmen and Michael and Celine and all the folks over at Art Equity. Um, you know, especially Carmen Yay. Morgan. She is a she is a force.
1: Shout out to her. Yes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like give that woman her flowers. I mean, all of them.
0: that. That first weekend, I was just like, you know, I. I always thought, you know, I'm black, I'm gay, like, I'm woke, like, I know what's going on, and then, like, that first weekend, it was like, oh, I have so much to learn, oh. and and <laughs> and I think I'm a bad black person, and I think Herman hates me, and I think <laughs> <laughs> and then by the end of the second weekend, I, like, was, you know, I was sharing an Uber to the airport with a friend that I had made, and, like, She's down there waiting in the Uber, like, getting mad at me because, like, I have my arms around Carmen's neck crying, like, you changed my life. (laughs) Thank you so much. I love you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But she's just just amazing. And the way that she will just get you together in 2.3 seconds flat and help you to grow and to see things in such a new way. And so... Mm -hmm.
1: I could turn. This could turn into one big Carmen Morgan love fest. This could we easily have
0: Carmen. We can need to have Carmen on this show. We need to reach out to her oh and have gosh. her on here, so so you all can meet her.
1: You don't listen. You ain't got to say it twice. Let's make it happen. We're
0: gonna, we're gonna make it happen. We're gonna make it happen, Carmen. We're coming for you. Yes. I would <laughs> but stand. But yeah. So. <laughs> but Artequity.org. You know, if you don't want to participate in any of their. Offerings, you know, a donation would also be super nice, so mm-hmm. other folks can have that experience. Um, and yeah, just art equity is the bomb. So, so yeah. I think that's that's my pure black joy. It's happening tomorrow, Aww. but I know it's going to be joyous. <laughs> <It's>
1: so joyous. <laughs> the
0: yes. anticipation is joyous. We love art. And equity. shout out to my cohort, my 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 uh, cohort, my 2019 cohort, and especially um, my Black affinity group. Um, y'all mm-hmm. are amazing and I love you.
1: So. Aww. Shout out to all <laughs> our equity. Y'all are, the work they do is so just needed. It's so, it's so <laughs> I don't know, we joke about saying it, but it's so important. It's so important. No, but for real, this is important. But for real. Like, but it's actually like...
0: <laughs> 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 All right. Well, I hey, think that's going to do it. Yeah, I think it's going to do it for this week. Um, So just happy Pride, everyone. Happy Juneteenth. Um, You know, please stay safe. Get your vaccinations. Um, And, you know, a special shout out to Lee and um, to his whole family. And we just want to send you just some peace and loving vibes and healing, um, you know, as you weather these stormy waters Mm -hmm. um lots of love from your score family um but other than that for everyone else make sure that you rate review, subscribe all of the things um share us with your friends and uh we will be back next week with an interview with the luminous amazing Incomparable yes. composer um, and recent um, Guggenheim Fellow, Dr. Hey. Nkereue Okoye, um, who is just here to just light up our universes um, with <laughs> um, amazing ideas and amazing music. And we are we that was such a special interview. So um, I'm really excited, excited to Dr. share O'Koye, it with you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's. Will be in two weeks. We will see you then. And until then,
5: bye.
0: Bye. All right, we love you. Bye. Bye.